Yes, very excited. Well, uh, like Brian said, my name is Andrew. Uh, I get to be a part of this church family, but part of this community, and I'm just happy to be here with you and to share from God's Word. Um, so yeah, it, like Brian said, if you can open up your Bibles to Acts chapter 1, that's where we're going to be in just a second. But before we get there, I just want to tell you about something, a, a cultural phenomenon that I really enjoy. I don't know why. Maybe it's not the, the best thing for me to love, but uh, there's this, it just warms my heart uh, to see a really good mic drop. You ever seen one of those before? If you don't know what a mic drop is, it's essentially somebody delivers some kind of speech. They're, they're saying something, and at the end of it, they just take their microphone, and they drop it and walk off stage as like this act of like triumph or like even a little bit of like disrespect. And I don't, you know, I don't support disrespecting people, but something about that just makes me like, that was cool. And I think it's probably most popularly been done recently. Well, it's actually not recently. It was in 2016, which is eight years ago, which makes me feel kind of old. But in 2016, Obama had the correspondence dinner, which if you know, is kind of a place where some lighthearted joking. And Obama just basically like roasts a whole bunch of people. He's just like roasting you, roast you, roast you. And he has this microphone at the end. He just kind of like gives a little piece and then just drops it and walks off. And the best part about it is that he's speaking into like a, a podium mic and that gave him a separate mic just so he could drop it and walk off. You, watch, you can watch the video. He's talking into this little stick mic and then just drops his, uh, it's funny. Anyways, you might be asking yourself, what in the world does this have to do with my sermon? And the answer is very little, but uh, I just like to start that because it's fun. Uh, but what we're going to see in the book of Acts is what I think, what I would call the most epic, the first and the most epic inverted mic drop that's ever been done in all of history. So let's look and see what happens in Acts chapter 1. It says this, In my former book, Theophilus, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and to teach. Now you can pause there for a second. This, the book of Acts is actually a sequel. If you didn't know this, the book of Acts is, is a, a second edition to the book, the Gospel of Luke. And it's almost a shame that they're not like touching in the Bible, but the same author writes Luke and he writes Acts and he writes it to the same guy. And so he's following up on all of that just happened in Acts. And it's actually kind of perfect that we're here because the end of Acts is kind of what we talked about last week. Jesus resurrects from the tomb um, and is alive. And so this is how he starts in Acts. He says, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and to teach until the day he was taken up to heaven. After giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles he had chosen. After his suffering, he showed himself to these men and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. And on one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father has promised, for which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So when they met together, they asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? And he said to them, it is not for you to know the times or dates the father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem 
and in all Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And after he said this, he was taken up before their eyes, and a cloud hid him from their sight. Reverse mic drop. Just floats away like a balloon, a kid left, let go of their balloon, just behind, into the clouds. And, I mean, you got, just put yourself in, in, in that story for a second. Right? You've been following Jesus. You've been, you've been believing that he's the Messiah. He's the one who is going to restore the kingdom. See the question they ask in verse 6. Are you going to restore the kingdom to Israel? They fully expect that any day now, Jesus is going to like pull out some like epic flaming sword and start knocking Roman skulls to take back their promised land from, from the control of the Romans so they can have this kingdom that's supposed to last forever and be full of peace and prosperity. They're like, is this the day? Like, are you going to like start to you know, take these guys down? And he's like, that's none of your business. <laughs> uh, but, and, then, and then he just, he says, it's not... It's not your business to know when this happens. It's God's plan. He'll take care of it. But you wait here. Like, stay here. Any parents, like, you say that all the time. Like, just please stay here. I'm going to go to the kitchen, and I'm going to bring something back. Just please stay here. Jesus is like, stay here. I'm going to the Father. I'm going to give you something, and then you're going to be my witnesses across the earth. And it just floats away. And I just, if I'm there, the only thing that's in my head right now is just like, what? what, what? Like, confusion. Just all kinds of confusion in my head. And I, I wonder if you have ever felt confusion in your walk with God? Have you ever felt confused when it comes to your faith or when it comes to what it means to follow Jesus? And if you have, you're in good company because the disciples actually spend a lot of time confused. And I love that this is our, where our new series is. We're, we're starting a brand new series today for the next few weeks. We're going to be uh, in the series called I Follow Jesus dot dot dot. And what we're going to be, this is, this is a series for people who are confused, okay? I'm not going to ask for a show of hands, but I'm willing to bet that there's a lot of confused people here. And if you are here and you're like not confused, um, I want to talk to you because I have some questions. Uh, but we're going to be talking about, through these weeks, we're going to talk about a lot of different questions that oftentimes come up in our faith, specifically as it relates to the Holy Spirit. And I think, you know, in the faith community that I have, I feel like the Holy Spirit is a topic that comes up a lot as something that we just have questions about. Something that seems kind of hard to understand or, or hard to even um, experience. And so we're going to spend some weeks talking about the Holy Spirit, talking, um, asking questions, and figuring out how we can relate to the Holy Spirit. And so this week, the question we are addressing is, I follow Jesus, but why did he have to leave? Why did he have to go? And if we're going to answer that question, we actually have to back up a little bit. So if you still have your Bible open, you can just turn back a few pages. We're going to go back to John chapter 16. And if you were here last week on Easter, we actually spent a good bit of time talking about John 16. This is just before he's arrested. Jesus is arrested. He's telling his disciples all kinds of things. But in John 16, starting in verse 4, Jesus says this. He says, I have told you this so that when the time comes, you will remember that I warned you. 
I did not tell you this at first because I was with you, but now I am going to him who sent me. Yet none of you asks me, where are you going? Because I have said these things, you are filled with grief. But I tell you the truth, it is for your good that I am going away. Unless I go away, the counselor will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. So, I follow Jesus, but why did Jesus have to leave? Well, he tells us, it is for your good that I'm going away. I'm going to send you the counselor. And that's all I've got. Have a great Sunday. We'll see you later. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I've got the microphone. I'll talk as long as I want. Um, I'm just kidding about that too. Jesus says the Holy Spirit is why. The Holy Spirit is why he had to go. And if the Holy Spirit, like that's the whole reason. That was enough for Jesus to to go back and to send, like there must have been something important about that that would be helpful for us to know as we begin this journey of understanding the Holy Spirit a little bit more. And as we go throughout these weeks, what what you'll see is that the Holy Spirit operates a lot like a one-man band. Have you ever seen a one-man band before? I know there's, there's a guy, and I wish I knew his name. He, he, he's, perform, he's a one-man band that performs like in between the, the, public gar- the Boston Public Gardens and the Boston Common, that little street that goes in there. He's awesome. He's a really good performer. But the Holy Spirit is like playing all these different instruments. He plays a lot of different roles in our lives. And we'll get into the, some of those different things as we go through this series. But for right now, let's just figure out why it's important. Why is it important for us to have the Holy Spirit, for Jesus to send the Holy Spirit to his followers? And as we get into this series, I'll just say this. Uh, The Holy Spirit is not like nebulous, mystical-like energy. Uh, The Holy Spirit is a person of the Trinity. The Holy Spirit is God's presence. And if you look through scripture, like the whole narrative of the Bible, the Spirit of God is always used in a relational sense. It's always used in the context of a relationship. When, when the people of God are roaming in the desert, God led them out of Israel and they're just roaming around, they would set up this tent, this elaborate tent called a tabernacle, and that's where God's Spirit would rest. So God's spirit, God's spirit would live in the tabernacle and there were, uh, the relationship looked different because there were, there were rules and regulations about how God would relate to people. And then we fast forward and, and then the people finally get a land to call their own and they build a temple even bigger than the tent. And God's presence lives in the temple. And so whenever people want to connect with God, they go to the temple and there's a relationship there and it has different terms because there are, there are different rules and regulations regarding that. And then we fast forward even more and then Jesus comes and when he gets baptized, it says that the spirit of God, the spirit uh, descended on him like a dove. And so we have Jesus walking around like being the presence of God and relating to people and and having uh, interactions with people. And then we fast forward to now that he goes back and he sends the Holy Spirit to live inside of us. And so when you think about the Holy Spirit, I don't want you to think about like just some nebulous power that can like level you up so that you can tackle whatever issue is in front of you. The Holy Spirit is a being to relate to. And my hope is that over this series, we, we actually get better at relating to the Holy Spirit. Okay, so 
That's my, that's my, my hope for this series. Now, Jesus talks, so what, the question is, what's so important about the Holy Spirit? Why did he have to, or why, you know, why did he send it to us? And to answer that question, uh, I want to tell you a story. Uh, it was just before Halloween, October in 2011. And maybe just saying that, some people have tr- like post-traumatic memories come to mind. Because if you were in New England in October of 2011, you would have experienced Storm Alfred, Nor'easter Alfred, um, who apparently, I found out, has his own Wikipedia page. Uh, this storm just absolutely obliterated New England. The, the thing that made it so destructive was that it came early because and the leaves were still on the trees, which make them collect the snow and make them very heavy. And we had just gotten a bunch of rain before this storm had come. And so this storm hit. And I grew up in north, north central Connecticut, and we were without power for almost two weeks. And, you know, I'm in, I'm in high school, and so I'm kind of like, sweet, no school. Uh, but like we're, we have no power and there are just trees down everywhere. It's, it was a nightmare for like the city to get their services people out to fix the power lines because trees have fallen across them and all this kind of stuff. And so what I did for every day, basically for two weeks, was uh, get up in the morning with my dad fire up one of these, grab some shovels, and we would just start walking. We lived at the end of a short cul-de-sac that had a road that connected to the main road, and we would just walk until we came into a tree, and we would fire up the chainsaw. We would cut that tree into logs. We would move it off the street so that, you know, access could be restored. And we, like, every day we did this, every day just cutting up trees. And I thought it was actually pretty awesome. But I'll tell you, it wasn't awesome was the first day. How many people have ever tried to start a chainsaw after it has been sitting for like months and months and months? Anybody? Any like manly lumberjacks? In the, yeah. Okay. And now you're asking, you're like, now I see he, he wore a flannel. He didn't shave. He forgot to put deodorant on. It's all, it's all part of the, the deodorant thing was a mistake. But the other, yeah, we're, we're here. We're lumberjacks. When you try and start a chainsaw after it's been sitting, um, I, I don't recommend it. If you can avoid it, just don't. It's, a, it's an exercise in frustration, an exercise in futility sometimes. Because something happens when it sits. And I'm not very good at engines or motors or anything like that. But you can just sit there and you basically, you hold on tight. You, make, you fiddle with these things a little bit. You hold on tight and then you just start pulling this cord. And you just hope that eventually the engine turns over and you get it to run. We spent almost the entire first day on one tree because we spent almost the entire first day just trying to get the chainsaw started. We would literally pass it around until our arms were like dead and we're like, all right, you take a turn. Just and it was so frustrating. And what we realized eventually is that um, we needed some fresh gas. Like the, the tank had gas, you, usually you can see it, uh, or you can hear it and you shake around. But something happens to gas when it sits around. It stops being good at being gas. And I, I, like, again, I don't know all of that stuff, but once we put in some, some fresh, good gas, 
you know, it, we was able to start it up. And, you know, my brother started up, and I told him that I just, you know, I had loosened it up for him um, so that he could get it. I didn't want to take the credit for it, but uh, really, it was, it was me who got it going. Uh, and this is, the, this is the big idea that I want you to get for today. You're, you're like, okay, you started with mic drops. Now you're talking about a chainsaw. How is this all connecting? This is the big idea. And if, you, if you're a note taker, this is, this is the thing I would invite you to, to make a note of. The Holy Spirit is the fuel for the Christian life. All of you are spiritual chainsaws. Okay? You've all been created. This, this piece of machinery has been created with a specific purpose. It has a job, this chainsaw has a job to do. And all of you have been created with a specific purpose. But this chainsaw cannot accomplish its function. It cannot accomplish its purpose without fuel, without gas. And in the same way, all of us who call ourselves Christians cannot do the purpose that God has put on our lives without the proper fuel. And so the question is, I mean, because scripture says when we, when we follow Jesus, when we surrender our lives to him, when we, when we confess that Jesus is our Lord, scripture says that the Holy Spirit comes. Like in that moment, we receive the Holy Spirit. And so how come it sometimes feels in my spiritual journey like I'm just pulling this cord on the chainsaw and it's not starting? You ever get frustrated in your spiritual walk? Maybe you feel like you've just been praying for this thing over and over again. You're just talking to the wall. Or, or you know, I don't know what it is. that you, 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 you feel like you've got the Holy Spirit. Like the thing's in the tank, but it's just not starting. And so I want to talk to you this morning. I, just, I have a couple of things to say about how we access the Holy Spirit in our lives. How do we access that gas that's in the tank? If you follow Jesus, you got the gas in the tank. It's just a matter of how we access it. And the metaphor breaks down as you think too hard. But Paul says some really um, interesting things about this in Galatians, uh, the book of Galatians. And honestly, if you want to learn some stuff about the Holy Spirit, you should just read the book of Galatians. It has some great stuff in there. And it's not really on the screens. And you don't have to turn there because it's just going to be really quick. But Paul says this. In Galatians chapter 5, he, he makes three statements, kind of in rapid fire, about the Holy Spirit. Remember, we talked about the Holy Spirit being a being, not some force. So we actually relate to the Holy Spirit. So Paul's talking about how do we relate to the Holy Spirit? And this is Galatians chapter 5. I'm going to jump a couple of verses. So it starts in 16. He says, So I say, live by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the sinful nature. So we have one statement. Paul says, live by the Spirit. And you jump down to verse 18. It says, but if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. So we have statement number two. Live by the Spirit and be led by the Spirit. And then at the end of this little section, he says in verse 25, since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking and envying each other. So Paul makes these three statements Live by the Spirit, be led by the Spirit, and uh, keep in step with the Spirit. And here's the, if you want to try and diagnose 
why you feel like you're getting frustrated, why you're just pulling on that cord and the engine's not starting, the chainsaw's not going. Usually, I would say, I, I definitely know that this is most often the case in my life, like the vast majority of the time, it comes down to that third statement, keep in step with the spirit. The vast majority of the time when I feel like I'm not getting access to that spiritual fuel for my Christian life is because I have gotten ahead of the Holy Spirit. I love that he says, keep in step, because that means we, the Holy Spirit is the one who sets the pace. The Holy Spirit's the one who sets the pace in our life. And so often, I'm just so eager to, to do a ministry or, or to, to, to meet with someone or serve or plan a sermon. And I just get all excited. I put all these ideas together. And I'm look, I find, I'm like, I take a step back and I look at it. I'm like, that stinks. I'm like, that is not good at all. And it's only when I slow down and I keep in step with the Spirit. When you're in step with the Spirit, you're close enough to be able to talk. You're close enough to be able to listen. And the Holy Spirit is able to guide you to do those other things, to, to live by him and be led by him. And so when you're thinking about your Christian walk, ask yourself this question. Am I getting ahead of the Holy Spirit? Am I getting too far down the road where the, I'm, I'm no longer connected to the Holy Spirit? And if that's you, or you find yourself being frustrated in your faith for any number of reasons, I have three Practical points of application. And this is just kind of where we will land, uh, land the plane here. How, how, do, how do followers of Jesus rely on the Holy Spirit? Followers of Jesus rely on the Holy Spirit by staying close to him. They rely on the Holy Spirit by staying close to him. And here are three practical ways that you can stay closer to the Holy Spirit. The first is to make time before work to read God's word. As often as I get up on this stage, I'm going to tell you and encourage you that you should spend time in this book. And I, I have seen a massive difference, night and day difference, when I make time before work to read God's word. And some of you here are saying, you don't know what time I have to get into work. You don't know everything that's going on in my time. I don't have time for that. Now, here's the thing. I'm going to get a little up in your grill for a second, but no, it's because of love. We all have the same amount of time in a day. We all have the same 24 hours, and we make decisions about how to spend them. Some of those hours get dictated to us about how to spend right? We have jobs, we have responsibilities and things like that. But if you're going to be brutally honest with yourself, you have more time to choose to do things with than you might be willing to admit. And I will give you a great example. My wife, Rosemary, recently started uh, a, as a personal passion. She started picking up one shift a week at a coffee shop in Roxbury. And we live very close to the church, and Roxbury is a bit of a ways away. And to open a coffee shop means you have to get there very early. And so Rosemary gets up at like 4.15 in the morning so that she can get to her, her, her job on Fridays. And here's the thing. She doesn't have to get up at 4.15. She doesn't have to get, like, that's not the minimum amount of time that she needs to get ready. She gets up so that she can spend time reading her Bible 
We have a, for the well, which is the young adult ministry for people in their 20s and 30s, we have this Bible reading plan that we follow together as a community. And it, it goes Monday to Friday. And so she doesn't want to miss that Friday reading. She gets up and has a special chair in our bedroom where she uh, has that time in the word. And at 4.15 in the morning, I am laying in bed. Um, and my, <laughs> my only excuse is that I take Fridays off of work. So... Uh, but Rosemary is one of the people that I look up to when it comes to prioritizing time in the morning before you get to work to read your Bible. That's one way to stay close to the Spirit. The second way to stay close to the Holy Spirit is to pray to the Holy Spirit and to make time to listen. When's the last time you... uh, set aside time to pray or even just prayed um, spontaneously and didn't say anything, just listened. I have to think, think back a little ways to, to think about that time. Maybe you've never done that before. But prayer in many ways is a conversation. And I, I, like I always use this now, like imagine um, I were to call my mom and as soon as she picked up the phone, I just started going. I'm telling her about this. I'm telling her about that. I, I hardly... Uh, take a second to just take a breath. And, and as soon as I'm done saying all the things and asking her for the help and all the things that I wanted to let her know, boom, I hang up the phone. That's not a recipe for a very good relationship with my mother. Um, and to be honest, I need to call her more often than I do. Hey, mom, if you're watching this. Uh, so when you're praying, do you take time to listen? Do you, do you give God the opportunity to respond to the things that you just asked him about? When you, when you get into prayer and you're praying maybe for a specific thing, a situation that's going on in your life, and, and you, you um, pour your heart out to God, take some time. Take some time after you've said your piece to listen. And the Holy Spirit is the one who will answer those prayers. And also, this is just a personal piece. I don't know that there are like, you know, incredible references to this in Scripture, but I have spent a long time being really confused, and I'm still pretty confused about the Holy Spirit, but one of the things that really helped me to understand the terms of the relationship is to to pray to the Holy Spirit. We pray to God the Father, we pray to Jesus, and sometimes we forget to pray to the Holy Spirit. And sometimes just that simple act can help us to start to recognize him more, to start to at least interact with him more because you're talking to the Spirit. And the third way, practical way, to stay close to Jesus is to obey when you feel a nudge. I, nudge is, is, for me, the most often way that I hear the Holy Spirit. Sometimes people talk about hearing from God. Um, and I, honestly, I've never had like an audible. Well, one time I've had an audible voice, and I'd love to tell you that story about it if you want afterwards. But it's just a nudge. You know, like I've, I've, I've just living my life, and all of a sudden I think of a person that I haven't seen or talked, about, talked to or even thought of in years. And just this like, little like, hey, I should see what's going on in their life. You know, I send them a text or call them up and they're like, you'll never believe what just happened. Like this bit, you know, like I just got married and I have this really specific question that maybe you're the best person to ask. And I'm like, wow, you know, I never, never would have known unless I had obeyed the nudge. And so um, I, is there, I, the worship team can come back down because I'm, I'm, I'm kind of rambling here and I'll try and wrap up here in, in a second. But as the worship team comes back, um, I'll just... I'll just say this, this, this kind of thing, like you don't have to, you don't, 
like the fear of failure, that's, this is what I'll say. The fear of failure is, I think, the thing that holds me back from experiencing the Holy Spirit the most. That I'm, I'm like, I want to be sur- sure, I want to be certain that the nudge or whatever it is was the Holy Spirit before I act on it. And I imagine that you felt these nudges in one way or another. You're walking down the street and uh, you see a person and there's just something like, hey, you should talk to that person. Or, um, you know, for, for whatever reason, like going through a drive through this happens to me sometimes and I'm uh, ashamed to admit that I almost never <laughs> listen to this nudge. But it's like, hey, you should pay for the person behind you and ask the, the teller to tell them that Jesus loves them in the drive through And I'm like, yeah, but I don't, you know, I make an excuse. And, and it's because like, I'm afraid that it's like, it's going to blow up or some reason like that. But the thing is, the only way that we're going to get more comfortable relating with the Holy Spirit is by getting through that awkward getting to know you phase. When, if you can think back to like when you just first started dating somebody and there's this like awkward, like, fi- you know, figuring things out, just getting to know that person. The, the, the way you get through that, it, you can't go around it. You can't go over it. You, you have to go through it. And so that's my encouragement to you. The Holy Spirit wants to relate to you. The Holy Spirit actually empowers you to do the thing that God wants you to do. And honestly, if we as a church, uh, collectively, took steps closer to the Holy Spirit in our, in, in, in our individual faith, but together, you know, in times of worship and in times of fellowship and, and community, uh, the power that would come out of this group would just that would would blow people's minds. This is how revivals get started. This is how entire cities turn around. Is because the Holy Spirit empowers a group of people. And so, my encouragement for you this morning is to get to know the Holy Spirit. And we'll we'll see all kinds of different things, learn all kinds of different things about Him. But you don't have to uh, wait until then to start putting those things into practice. Take some time this week to pray to him. Take some time this week to listen. Take some time, and I know it's hard, I know it's hard, to get up in the morning and read your Bible. And just see what happens. Just see what happens. Come back next week and tell me a story. Tell me nothing happened. Tell me an unbelievable story about how the Holy Spirit blew your mind. But just try it. Just try it. Can we do that? All right, let me, let me pray. I'm, I'm, and I'll get off the stage. You guys can close and worship. Dear Holy Spirit, thank you for empowering us. Thank you for... Um, always being available. Thank you for drawing so close to us that you actually live within us. You're never far from us. Holy Spirit, I pray that, that uh, well, this morning, I just want to declare that you are God, Holy Spirit, and God is faithful. And so, Lord, I pray that as we uh, take this step, as we put, put, you know, this Holy Spirit experiment Would you be faithful to us? Would you empower us? Would you clarify our purpose that that maybe we're not a chainsaw, but we're a a lawnmower? Uh, But would would you clarify our purpose and would you give us the power necessary to go out and do it? 
We don't have to wait anymore. The apostles had to wait, but we don't have to wait anymore. And so, Holy Spirit, I pray that you would speak to us. Even now, maybe in our hearts, as we sing this closing song, would we just have our hearts open to listen? Would you speak to us? And would you empower us as we go out into our weeks and live out our faith? We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Love you all more than you know. <laughs>